When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time, a Wave Sports and Entertainment original presented by Prize Picks. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Subscribe, like, rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is that time of week where we have a guest join us from Metal Lark Media, Howard Bryant. What's going on, sir? What's up, my man? How you doing? Hey, man, I just got back uh, from the Iceland. I think I told some people I was going to go to Iceland. I just got back. I know it's not I know it's not pronounced Iceland, but I like it. So I'm going to call it Iceland. So I just got back from Iceland because that's what black people do during All-Star Weekend. We go to Iceland. That's right. So are the rumors true that it's extremely expensive um, and the food is okay, but it's spectacular? Yep, that's about right. That's about right. Like, I would say extremely expensive. To be fair, I kind of intentionally made it as expensive as possible in some ways, but I would say yes. Let me tell you this. This is what they did in Iceland that I had never seen before, okay? So one thing to note about Iceland is they are not part of the European <laughs> Union, so they still use no, they they their own money, right? And so um, I need to fill up the tank, uh, the gas tank on the way out. And the way that it works on the gas tank, you don't, you can run your card, but you can't like fill, just fill it up. And then it charges you for the gas. You got to buy the gas up front. So I needed, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, I needed half a tank of gas and I don't know what math I was doing on the exchange rate, but I put in the amount that I figured I needed to prepay. And, you know, could I have calculated this out on my phone? Sure. But I thought I had a handle on things, right? So I put it, I, I, I put, I forget what the number was, but I hit the number. I fill up the gas tank, I sit down in the car, I look at my phone, and I pay with the Apple Pay. So it gave me a notification that let me know that I had just spent 144 USD on half a tank of gas. Now, now the, the, the issue is, it's Iceland. So maybe that's what it costs. I don't know. But I looked up and I saw it definitely. I paid for like twice as much. At least I paid for a lot of gas that I did not need. But I'm like, what kind of okie doke bullshit is this? Why can you not just let me do like every, well, I say everywhere else in the world, even though I've only bought gas in one country before. That's right. So in other words, so you got to do the exchange rate and they use leaders over there too, right? Yes, they do use leaders. There's that. There's that. Yeah. They, they use the leaders. My thing was, look. I just needed, I wanted to take it back to the old school. Let me get 10 on six, right? Like that was all I was really trying to get to is like, let me get, let me, uh, let me get 10 on six. You know, just exactly. And no topping off. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going to tell you one last Iceland story before we get into our stuff. And I thought that you would appreciate that. I had a wonderful tour guide named Aaron on Monday, took me around, saw some waterfalls. I went snowmobiling on a glacier which is every bit as incredible as it sounds like it would be, except for the four times that I fell off that snowmobile. And I'm like, I ain't gonna lie to you, man. I've been so sore the last couple of days. I've asked myself like, huh, what do original Denny's up to? Right? Like, I just feel like That's I suffered right. an assault, even though the assault was kind of sort of at my own hands. But anyway, as we're riding, he's telling me about different things in line with the history of the area. And, you know, he says something, we're about to come up on some mountain and it said it remember it resembles a hat worn by one of the Viking leaders. And so I asked him if it was the hat with the horns on. Right. Because, you know, that's what we see. We football fans, you know, that joint. And nah, he explained to me that those hats, like there's no real evidence of those hats and whether those things, you know, so forth and so on. Da, da, da. That's kind of a myth. And everything else. And so I just told him, like, look, man, you know what happens sometimes that people get a lie or get a story or whatever, and they become so invested 
in that story or people tell the story so fervently that you just ultimately believe it because somebody has just said it over and over and over again. And I said to him, well, let me give you an example of what this is like. I want to tell you a story about somebody in the United States, but we got to wait until we, you know, get to where we're parking. So we park somewhere to get lunch. And while we're getting there, I start trying to find it on the phone when I'm dealing with Icelandic Wi-Fi, you know, or, or cellular, you know, so it's not coming down so tough. But I was like, yeah. So in line with what I was telling you about people and like if you so dedicated to a story that you'll just ride this story out and you'll make this story happen. I picked up my phone and I was like, OK, so you don't know who this person is, but his name is Mike Tarico. And I said to him that this man has been very, very insistent that at a, at a, at a point in his life that, that <laughs> I told him, I told him, I told him, I was like, so this cat, you know, is big on, it was very important to him that people understand, you know, that he is from, and he's for Italy. That he's Italian. That this is this is what he'd been telling people was that he was Italian. And so he's a white I man. showed my man. I showed my man the picture, and I wish I had stayed in Iceland longer, so that I would have gotten better at doing an Icelandic accent. So you could. I'm gonna do my best though. My man saw it and was like. Holy moly! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, you're now telling the international you, the international story of Mike Tirico. I've said this before, the legend of the stallion. I said this the last time, and I'm gonna say it again. And people are like, why is it that you bring this story up so much? Because every time I tell the story, there's some person who has never heard the story before. And after I told it the last time on the pod, one of my very good friends hit me up and told me, well, consider me this week's person who had never heard this story before. Every time exactly. you tell the story of the Italian stallion, there's some Somebody that does not know about his giddy up. And so now we're going to get this to Iceland. I wish I had written my man's name down so he could tell the other people. I told you, a friend of mine, I told her that story while we was watching him on TV. And I forget who Tariko was on with. I think it was Chris Collinsworth. And I told her the story. And she looked up and she goes, wait, the motherfucker on the left? <laughs> Straight face. Straight face. Well, you know, somebody says, hold on, hold on. They in the chat talking about Mike gonna have to, hold on, hold on right fast. People in the chat talking about Mike gonna have to address you eventually. Address me how? Address me why? He the one who said all this. (laughs) I'd just be like, hey, look, the reason why I tell the story is because it's funny. That's why. (laughs) It's hilarious. It remains to be funny. When it stops being funny, I'll stop telling it, but it will never (laughs) stop being funny. So we stuck with it. And look, it's the the not on air conversation about it that's even funnier, right? When you start to imagine the backstory of this Farrelly Brothers movie that we have before us. Well, my favorite part of the story is when he came out in that quote and said, "I don't, I don't understand it." <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, I understand it. <laughs> you know, one plus one equals two. That's how you understand it. Yes. I go, oh gosh. Okay. Okay. Ooh. Anyway. Exactly. There was an all star. There was an all star game over the weekend, and I will tell you, my good friends at Wave Sports and Entertainment at various points had asked early on and asked me about, hey, what you think about going to the all star game, and I told them. That once I found out that that game was in Indianapolis, I booked my ticket to Iceland. Like, if I'm going to be cold, it's going to be exotic. <laughs> you mean to tell me that Indianapolis couldn't compete with Iceland? I don't I, I don't know what you got to put in Indianapolis to make me be like, oh, yo, I'm trying like, to be there. You're, you're like, no, nah, man, I believe in defense. I ain't, I'm not snowmobiling instead. <laughs> yeah, I don't, the, 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 the all-star response, and this was my first thought upon seeing the responses that people had about it. And I feel like I've been listening to people complain so long about the all-star game that the last time I don't feel like people complained about the all-star game was in February of 1992 when Magic Johnson had his legendary 
all-star game performance. To be fair, that is one of the very few memorable things in my life that has ever happened at an all-star game. But every year, people act like the all-star game is some affront to their dignity as basketball fans. I didn't see it this time. I don't know if it was that bad. I just want to know when people talk about the glory days of the All-Star game, start asking them to rattle off their favorite All-Star memories and I bet they can't. It just feels in some ways like some people just want to complain about. 100% true. I can only tell you two. I have two All-Star game moments that are that are actually very special to me. And you mentioned one of them, Magic Johnson 92. You know, that was that was you have to remember and I and it's hard to say you have to remember because look, a lot of people listening to this weren't even alive, right? I mean, you have to remember that in 1992, having HIV was the, it, it was the fear equivalent of immediate death. Um, there was the, you know, and not only that, but also the stigmatizing. Remember Carl Malone? I don't, I don't want his blood nowhere near me. Like the, he, this is a pariah. You can't play basketball with a man who has HIV in 1992. You know, I mean, it all goes back the year before. I remember that I was having lunch with my uncle. It was one of my, you know, favorite family moments because it was so indicative, representative of our family, where I'm having lunch with him. I'm in California. I just started my career. We're down in Santa Cruz. And he looked at me and essentially his message was, you know, I spent my whole life around you, convinced you weren't about shit, and you're actually doing pretty good. Um, <laughs> and so then we walk outside, and there's this dude walking down the, down the pier, and um, down the Santa Cruz boardwalk, and he's got this hangdog look, and he's looking at me, and you know, I stopped, and he's just in a haze. November seventh, ninety one, and he looks at me, and he says, "I was like, what's the matter?" And he goes, "Magic Johnson." AIDS. And I was like, I mean, couldn't breathe. I mean, because like, once again, to remember, if you are old enough to remember what the what that was like, it was you, you would you would have never thought that 30, you know, 32 years later, that magic would still just be magic. Right. That back then you were like, OK, he's not going to survive. Never mind. Play basketball. Again. And, and, so and, all of that, and that fat and fat and fat. There's no way in the world you could have told us in November of 1991 exactly. to be 2024 and Magic Johnson would be fat. Well, exactly, because it was the way that people, you know, that they shriveled up and the, you know, no muscle. It was a devastating, devastating disease and people would disappear into the, you know, you wouldn't see anyone because nobody wanted to be viewed or anything like it was just horrible. So that moment. So for the very next year to have him at the All-Star game was it was a national moment. It wasn't a basketball game. That was a national moment, especially because you had all these dudes as well, some of which, you know, like nobody wanted to say anything. But but there was a lot going on around that game. And I guarantee you whether people are going to tell you. No, I was going to say right quick on that for context for people who don't get it. Later that month, Freddie Mercury announced that he had AIDS and died the next day. Yep. Like that's yep. where we were in November of 1991, and he was actually playing in the All Star Game. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, there's that. That was that was the most serious one, and then the second was I think it was the '84 All Star Game. Um, don't remember where it was played, but I remember very specifically there was a moment in that game. It was either '84 or '85, but at the moment it was the same. It might have actually happened twice. Where in the second half, in the fourth quarter of that game, I believe Kareem Magic. And Worthy were playing at the same time as Bird, Parrish, and McHale. And everybody knew this is a finals. Like, they weren't playing that game to do alley-oops and shit and make people laugh, right? It was like, I'm going to see you in June. Those two teams, and because they hadn't met yet in the finals. If, if 84, if my memory is correct, this had been the thing, right? Here it comes. And that was the moment where it was like, okay, these guys are sending a message to each other. It's going to be crazy in June if they actually meet because we've been waiting for Bird and Magic to actually do it in the, you know, in the pros. They hadn't met in the finals yet. And that, that fourth quarter, that second half preview was the real beginning of Celtics Lakers. Um, the rest of the All-Star games, they're All-Star games. I mean, I, I get it, though. I get it because I actually feel like to me, Bo, I'm wondering how you feel about this. Every All-Star game has its problems, okay? And that maybe they all need to go. You were saying before we get on about the unfixable nature of it. Here's my first thought about 
the about the all-star game in general one every all-star game has its problems football and hockey the problem is you can't play defense because you can't hit anybody dudes ain't going out there to play an exhibition game and get blown up like sean taylor out there just crushing <laughs> guys right you're not gonna have the a putter bunch of guys the putter all. he did it the to putter. the putter that, that, <laughs> the putter, that, right. i don't know who got the bright idea to run a fake punt in the pro bowl but not with that guy like i think that was all bets are off at that point he was like oh my bad i thought it was an exhibition yeah Exactly. Sean Taylor is coming to Hawaii to murder people, right? To just kill you, which is what he does, right? You know, bad use of words there on Sean Taylor, my bad. Um, but also that you can't play defense, right? You can't in, in hockey, you're not going to be out there fighting and you can't play. You can't play the sport that you're out there to play. And obviously, if you want to throw Pete Rose in there too, blowing up Ray Fossey in the 1971 All-Star game, you can't do that, right? We're out here to have some fun, show the fans our talent, et cetera. The baseball all-star game problem is essentially that now that you have interleague every day, now that everybody's got cable, the all-star game loses its meaning because back when I was a kid, it was two separate leagues. The all-star game and the World Series were the only two times you got to see these two leagues play each other. So that gave the all-star game, you had to watch it. I mean, I grew up in Boston. We never saw, you know, we never saw Mike Schmidt. We never saw... Fernando, we never saw any national leaguers. It was a one, you know, obviously the New Yorks and the Chicago's and the LA's and the Bay Area, you got two mark, you know, it's a two market, um, two team market, different story. But for us, the all-star game was an appointment viewing because we never saw the national league. So, but that's all gone now. So who cares about the all-star game? Um, you know, and then of course in basketball, very, you know, very similar. And then of course you have the biggest problem with the all-star game is that in today's day and age in 2024, you don't have to win to earn anymore. Back then they needed the money. Back then you had to be a great player to get the money. You had to make all-star games. You had to get your incentives. You had to actually be one of the best of the best to actually make any money. Today, dudes are making 20, $30 million. I'll take the days off. You know, I don't need to play this game. There's no, I mean, there's the prestige of it in name, but do we actually have to play the game? So it's funny you mentioned that. And I, I'm in, I, where my thoughts on it went was in a very sim similar direction, right? And I think if we take it back one step further, it gets to something that's a bit more like fundamental. And I think a thing that should really frighten the NBA. And I don't know how they correct this because this isn't something they ever dealt with like prior to this. But two, it's two part. One, how do these players primarily view themselves, right? So if we take this back to 1984, every one of those guys on the floor primarily identified himself as a basketball player. This is what I yeah, do, that's right. right? I get out here. And so this is a collection of people who see themselves as basketball players and they are playing basketball. And that means they're going to play basketball. Like they might not be out here throwing all the same elbows and everything else, but the idea of supremacy and everything else is kind of borne out in these all-star games. And so regardless of how they and feel, the once they get out there, yeah, they're playing. So take Kobe Bryant, for example. And I tell this story where the first person I ever talked to in a locker room was Kobe Bryant. It was at a charity game in 2005 for Hurricane Katrina in Houston. And I was terrified. And he called me over there and I talked to him. And I was just asking him about, so like it's a charity game. How do you do this? And he made it very clear to me. There's really only one way that he comes out here to play basketball. Like he's out here to play. Once you got, once you on the other side of Kobe Bryant, we are playing basketball, and he's trying to take it from because that's the only way that he knows how to play basketball. This is the same Kobe Bryant that almost ten years later got elbowed in the face by Dwayne Wade and broke his nose in the last minute of the All-Star game and loved it. The dude that shut down LeBron in the All-Star game is kept checking him end-to-end, -end. and when LeBron didn't put up that shot in that end of that one All-Star game, looking at him like, baby, what you doing? This is because if Kobe Bryant's out there to play basketball, he's out there to play basketball. And so if you got a bunch of people who first and foremost view themselves as basketball players and you put them in a basketball game, a basketball game is going to break out. Even if you watch in the 90s, if they weren't going extra hard, but like think about the way David Robinson, when Sha the way Shaq dunked on David Robinson in San Antonio in 96, because for Shaq, it was always personal when he played against David Robinson. Like no matter what, that thing was going to happen. And we have a generation of basketball players now that are raised not to see much see themselves as basketball players, but honestly to see themselves as wage earners. 
and see themselves as people who make a lot of money. It's the same thing with rap, if we're being honest about it, right? This is not a game that's largely populated by people that's in this because they just love to rap that much. There's a lot of people that figured out you can get some bread in it. And so they are approaching the All-Star game like, oh, this is this thing that I do for my other job, which is playing basketball, because my real job is I'm just getting, I'm, I'm the face of a corporation. And the face yeah, of the corporation I, I doesn't want to, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And the brand doesn't want to get embarrassed out there. Like people talk about these guys are afraid of getting hurt. No, the fuck they're not. They're afraid of getting dunked on. They're afraid of getting crossed over. Like nobody wants to look bad. Jalen Brown, bless his heart. I saw how terrible he was in the dunk contest, but I give him credit. He's like, hey, I came out here and did it though, right? Cats don't want to go out there and do that because they don't want to lose. I get it. I, I, there are things that I would not want to well, do and lose in front of people either. But I'm not them. Right. Like the athlete has always been different. I remember Grantland did a, this is the most it's in line with the most admirable thing about Michael Jordan playing baseball. Kobe Bryant was a rapper once. A lot of people don't remember this, but Kobe Bryant decided he wanted to be a rapper. And Grantland did a great story looking back on that. And the thing about Kobe was there was great room to be embarrassed and he was completely unafraid of failing. And I don't Michael Jordan playing baseball in front of the world. Great potential for embarrassment. Totally unafraid of failure. These cats are not unafraid of failure. They are terrified of the idea or notion of failure. And that all-star game, I think, ties into that. Well, what I think is fascinating about that, too, is you have an entire generation of these of these players who supposedly idolize Kobe, but not his essence. That's his essence. It's like, okay, if this if you really do idolize the mama mentality, if that's what you, you know, that's what it's called, he would be embarrassed by how you're performing if you don't do it that way. You know, it's the it's the greatest line of the last dance, right? You know, you don't want to play, that, play way. that way. Don't play that way. <laughs> don't play that way, right? I mean, but that's what it is for those guys. You know, Derek Jeter's the same way. There are certain guys when they, no matter what it is, they're here to mess you up, right? It was like that famous interview back in the day, back in the late '60s, um, with with the great, the late great pitcher uh, Bob Gibson with the Cardinals, where you know he was telling this story and very matter of factly, and he was talking about how his two year old he keeps playing his two or his three year old in tic tac toe and the kid will never win, you know he just never beats me. He's like three years old. He just never beats me. And one of the reporters said, well, Bob, he's three. Don't you let him win? And Bob looked at him like he'd seen a mark. What are you talking about? Let him win. <laughs> let him win. I, mean, I think that's crazy talk, too. But yes, they might tell that to Bob Gibson. <laughs> you don't know. I don't know. I don't know any other way. When the time comes for you to beat me, you'll beat me. But not today. <laughs> yep. Now, exactly. Now, let I've me got... change it. Now, come over here. Let me change the diaper. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. But now, I've got thing number two about the All-Star game, and this is intractable, and it's in it. you touch on a part of it when you start talking about what changed with the baseball All-Star game. Like, I remember hearing Joe Morgan used to talk about, as the National League, they wanted to beat the American League. Like, baseball's All-Star well, game also has a the problem. I mean, the National League, they took the All-Star game personally because the American League wouldn't integrate. So those That's brothers right. in the National League, they were like, you will never beat us. That generation... And that lasted up until, I think, even the mid-70s. They took that game as a statement going back to Jackie Robinson. That game had meaning beyond meaning. Put a pin in that. Put a pin in that because we're going in that direction, right? You can't create teams in an NBA All-Star game that anybody cares about. Because the source of passion, if you don't care about it for yourself, is because you care about something larger, right? It's because you care about the team that you're on and the teams playing for each other generate that level of back and forth, right? Like generate the energy that you get from it. And something the NBA has failed at for its entire history, they have established two teams as brands, the Lakers and the Celtics. That's it. The idea that Michael Jordan could play for the Chicago Bulls for all those years and win six championships and that never turned into an enduring brand. The Spurs have five championships that never turn into an endear- into an enduring brand where like people root for LeBron James when he roots when he plays for Cleveland. And then when he leaves Cleveland and he goes to Miami, now they're Miami fans. And then when he leaves there to go to the Lakers, now they're Lakers fans, right? 
the real energy and the thing that really drives team sports is teams. It's affection for the franchises. The difficulty the WNBA is always going to have is you can't make anybody care about what the teams are. Nobody cares what the teams are. And so I've heard people make the suggestion, well, what if it's the United States versus the world and they ain't got that kind of beef? This ain't the Cold War. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't have that beef between them. But somehow, some way, somehow, some way, you mess around and get enough Lucas and Nicolas to put 12 of them against 12 of the other side. And baby, let me tell you, have you ever read Friday Night Lights? Because that's what that shit will be out there looking like. You want to you get some basketball teams that people care about? Let's get the white dudes against the black dudes. And the All-Star game will be everything we have wanted and everything that terrifies us at the same damn time. Exactly. Or or get the white dudes, get the Eastern Europeans against the Western Europeans, because that's the economics. That's the the Novak Djokovic's yeah. of the world looking at looking at Wimbledon and looking at the French Open like they think they're better than us. You know, See? they that's think they're saying. better than us. And that's where you know what you we need. That. I, I, I mean, I think. We got it. We got it. We need more of them French dudes like Big Vic in them because you know how, you know, they probably snooty. They for France. I don't mm-hmm. know if this is actually true, but if so, but if these cats was coming from Europe being a little more hoity-toity about it, like we, we ain't got no real European assholes showing up. Like they come over here and start showing some disrespect. Now the all-star game will turn into something. But in the meantime, tween time, man, it's just a bunch of dudes that's been playing basketball against each other forever. Why? Well, but it's what, also what's both, the part to make them care? Yeah, it's also it's also the NBA's fault. Um, and I and I say the NBA's fault because let's not forget the there's one thing that drives the National Basketball Association always has, and maybe always will, and that is there was a time when the NBA Finals were played on tape delay. Right. That's the thing. There was a time when people thought this league was not going to survive. And it's in your lifetime. You know, in your lifetime, people were like this league. There's too many black guys. They don't try hard enough. They're all on cocaine and it's not baseball and football. We're not going to survive. Then came Bird and Magic and Michael. And once that happened, as we all know, David Stern was like, we ain't never going back. We're never going back to those days on tape delay. We're never going back when people referred to Oakland as Coakland, right? When Bernard King and those dudes were there, we're not going back to those days. And so the price of that by the mid eighties, if you notice how they market the game, the only teams they do market Celtics Lakers. But even then it was bird versus magic. It was Michael versus Isaiah. It was Shaq and Kobe versus Tim Duncan. They sell players. And once you start selling players over the teams, eventually you're going to reach the point that we've reached now where the players are the team. And how many teams do we actually care about? Which is why, in addition to the, you know, just the greed of owners, which is why you try to have all these really different draconian salary cap manipulations and why you have these luxury tax. We need to find some way for you to care about playing for the T-Wolves. We need to find some way for you to care about playing, you know, for even the Bulls. I mean, you're right. When you think about, I tell people about this all the time when it comes to Boston, is that when you think about the Celtics as a franchise, they have five championships in the last 50 years. 50. They have one championship in damn near the last 40. They have one championship in the last 37 years. One. And yet they're the enduring brand. Why? Because you take because they're the foundation Celtics Lakers foundation. You know, so I I get it. But I also see something else here that the NBA is really, you know, trying, you know, struggling with. And I and I don't know what they can actually do about my argument. I, I like the USA and the world thing. I agree with the embarrassment question. Our good friend uh, Adam McKay over at uh, you know, the our our man from winning time, his solution was to do a a, a not like a, a, a knockout one on one on one knockout tournament. List your all stars, commemorate your all stars. But you're really having a weekend of one on one knockout to see like a skins game. Ten million dollars for the baddest one on one player in the game. I'd watch that. I would watch that because because basketball is at its core one on one game. Right. I mean, and who would be, you know, Kyrie against, you know, 
Embiid or whatever, whomever, just having those guys, giving them a reason to compete. Like, what do they actually care about? My solution, my solution to save the All-Star game is to is to shift the in, the, the in-season tournament, is to take the in-season tournament and stagger it till you get to All-Star week. And because that seems to be something that people care about. So All-Star week, you list the NBA All-Stars. They're the All-Stars. Celebrate them, commemorate them. If you still feel the need to do a dunk contest, go ahead. But let that weekend, or even beginning that week, be best two out of three for your in-season champion. You know, so at least that game Sunday is going to be a game, right? So we're going to get a game. We're going to get, you know, so that's going to be your final four. Friday night, semifinals, doubleheader, Sunday final, or there you go, or Thursday to Sunday. So whatever you're doing, that Sunday game is a game if you really want a basketball game. Or you can get this shit where you had three fouls called the whole game. Bottom line. The weekend's too much fun. That's the other thing that happened, too. The weekend surrounded it got to be too much fun, too much stuff and everything else, right? Yeah, but what do you actually want? I mean, you as a basketball fan and, and observer all this, what do you want that weekend to be? Do you want a skills competition and a whole bunch of alley-oops and whatnot? Or do you want to see the best players in the world competing against each other in an, in an all-star form, in an exhibition form? You know, you know that they're not going to scrap the whole thing. No, they can't because we still watch it. Like, it's like the Pro Bowl. Every time somebody's like, we want to get rid of the Pro Bowl, they're like, yeah, but you dumbasses keep watching. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit more about this and also the prospect of a LeBron James farewell tour. Prize picks is the most fun you can have by winning up to 25 times your money. And with the football season over, you can still win money with basketball and hockey. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. You can pick combo projections across multiple sports from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. And if you stick around for the end of the show, you'll get to hear some picks from our producer, Sean, that can either help you win or make you fail miserably. So make sure you go to prizepicks.com slash Bomani and use code Bomani for a first deposit matchup to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Bomani. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Maintaining a relationship is hard no matter who it's with. I know I've had many ups and downs with some of the best people in my life, and that's okay. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy, but to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with friends, work, your significant other, or anyone else. Therapy helps you find your strengths and also your weaknesses so you can make the best out of any relationship in your life. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bomani today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bomani. When you're a sports fan, weekends can be a lot of fun. Spending time watching sports with your friends. Whether you're celebrating the success of your team or yelling at the refs for a missed call, it can be an exhausting experience. So when it's time to start another big week, Celebrate Hydration Monday with Liquid IV. Liquid IV can help you feel revived and ready to take on the new week. Liquid IV is super easy to use. Just take a pre-measured packet and pour it into a glass of water, mix it up, and enjoy. You can take it at home before you start your day or take it with you to work or the gym. Plus, with their roster of flavors, you can easily find the right flavor for you and your taste buds. Weekends are for going wild. Have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. 
Grab your liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code BOMANI at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today. Use a promo code BOMANI at liquidiv.com. Now, uh, Howard, Brian, let me ask you this. Are you familiar with the homie Cooper Flag? He's up there in Maine, up your way. You up on him? Oh, yes. Yes, the the uh, the future. Yes, the future. And he's going to Duke. Hey, man, I kind of hope he's an asshole. Because if he's an asshole <laughs> and he goes to Duke, and he can hoop. He can hoop. If he turns into, that's Currently. what the NBA needs. Like, look, man, last year was a giant explosion for women's basketball. But as a national talking point, the talking point is, was, and will be Caitlin Clark until she's out of there, right? Now, she's really good. I'm not trying to say that she should not get attention necessarily. But people like their basketball in this country with a little more white in it. And if you get a legitimate American basketball star with a personality, that, that, is, that is the best thing that could ever happen to the NBA. Exactly. It's like, okay, all right. Okay, Cooper, on the screen. Okay, good. Stop and pop three. Good. Step on chest. Do your Leitner. Yes. <laughs> Watch your yes. Grayson Allen. Channel your inner Bobby Hurley. But let him come out here with some actual personality to him, one one direction or another, and you're going to see the interest in a lot of this stuff spark. Because I also contend, because these guys are being treated like businesses very early, they've been like molded in corporate communications, and corporate communications is to not offend. Where my contention is, there's much more money in it, all athletes, no matter who you are, to be loud and abrasive. There's, I can't think of who it is, unless you're just out here talking ridiculous I don't know who it is that's lost money by having opinions. I just don't, I just can't figure it out. Charles Barkley can't figure out what the fuck your problem is. Well, I mean, who do I mean, okay, he won seven majors, but what do we remember John McEnroe for? Right. Right? I mean, and he was the best player in the world, but we remember John McEnroe for being a maniac, right? Being right a lot of times too, but still there's that. And you, you know, and and it's true. Very few players. We don't want bland you don't want bland. You want there's a reason why they're stars. There's a reason why we watch them, right? And it's and it's not just that whole entertainment thing of um you know, of we just want we want greatness, but we also want personality with the greatness. Yeah, I think it's top to bottom. Now I want to play something for you. I know you hadn't heard. Um LeBron James was asked about like retirement and how he might want to handle it when it approaches. I thought it was really interesting. Check this out. I have not mapped out how many seasons I have left. Um I know it's not that many. Um I also don't know if I will I was asked this question a couple of days ago. Will you kind of take the farewell tour or will you kind of just Tim Duncan it? I'm 50-50. Um I'm gonna be honest because there's times where I feel like I guess I owe it to my fans that's been along this journey with me for two decades plus to be able to give them that moment, you know, where it's every city and whatever the case may be, and, you know, they give you your flowers or whatever the case may be, you know, and, and that seems cool. But the other side of I've never been that great with accepting, like, praise. Uh, it's, a, it's a weird feeling for me. So, Howard. It's a lot of people out here that think that I hate LeBron James. And I do not hate LeBron James, okay? I want to be very clear about this. I do not hate LeBron James. And I came into this at first just wanting to be dismissive of this idea that he's not sure if he would want a farewell tour. Because he damn sure wants a farewell tour. There's no disputing that. Now, I do think, though, it's tricky. Like, how do you decide a year out that this is going to be it? Because if you got something extra in the tank, you might want to stick around, right? Like, it, it takes a lot of self-awareness in a lot of ways to get there. So I don't know about that. But then he got to with a place that got you when that man whose teammates make goat noises in the locker room, who be in the middle of games going like this, said it is hard for him to accept praise. Yeah. And when I was listening to that, the very first thing that came to mind was, and no, there'll be no cameras filming every millisecond of your final tour. <laughs> there won't, not one. There'll be no documentation of any of this. You'll just fade away. You'll just go into, you know, like Shane walking into the sunset. Shane, come back. Over. That, that'll be you. As, as, the, as the great Lee Ilya said in the greatest sports rant of all time, my ass. 
<laughs> no Look, man. Chance. All I got to say Come is, what the hell is LeBron James? Why is, when has LeBron James ever tried to be like Tim Duncan? That's why he only got four championships. He ain't never tried to be like Tim Duncan under any circumstance whatsoever. That is that is not no. the end result that he's going for. But, like, I mean, let's be real about this. If any way possible for there to be a LeBron James farewell tour, there should be a LeBron James farewell tour. There's no question about this. You get guys like Dirk who had a last season and the last season – was all the setup for the last game in Dallas because what Dirk Nowitzki means is what he means to Dallas in the end, right? Like he was a, a Hall of Fame player, but his significance is about that city. LeBron's significance, much like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, much like Kobe Bryant, much like Michael Jordan, it is a significance that is about the whole league and the larger product. And he absolutely should have a farewell tour if he can bring himself to say, hey man, I think this is the last year. And I don't know if he'll ever be able to get himself to the point where he can say that to himself. Well, and could Kobe get there without the Achilles? I mean, that's the whole thing. Well, see, is that well, that's the thing. Kobe was willing to spend two, three years stealing their money, right? And then that last year stayed healthier than he had any of the two years that were previously there. Because with Kobe, that's a fair question, right? Is that what it would take for LeBron to get there? I don't like. I don't know exactly what the circumstances are, but I can imagine for him, it's got to be incredibly difficult to even think about retirement because he knows his retirement time. I know he's got to be in serious pain all the time with all these injuries, but he's still really damn good. Yeah, there's no way. Like what I was thinking when he was when he was talking was, okay, well, when when in 2030 are we talking about? Right? I mean, like he's still <laughs> a great player. I mean, seriously, I mean, LeBron James, I mean, people forget Wilt Chamberlain averaged something like 13 points in his last year because he just didn't really feel like playing anymore. But he, Wilt still could have put up 20, right? I mean, is LeBron James still a top 10 player in his league right now? I mean, is LeBron James a top five player in a short series? Right? I mean, is do you still want to go up against him in a series where a one gamer probably not i mean this retirement's yeah. not even on the on the table unless unless he knows something we don't know i just don't want to do this anymore but i don't see that either but let me ask this and this has been my thought and i understand why he's still playing i think he too old to still be out here playing, but I understand why he is still out here playing. Like, he is the old man at the club. He can still do the dances. He can still keep up on the flow, but that don't mean that this is the room that you're supposed to be in, but they don't pay you $50 million a year to go to the other clubs, right? Like, he's still there. That team is not a championship contender. I don't know what they would have to do. I don't know when LeBron would be a ch contender again. I don't think that he would leave the Lakers, like, all of these things. And so, in the end, there's a certain Omar in Season 5, uh, like quality to him and that he just out here looking for like trying to find the fight right like trying to find Marlo he's chasing Marlo Marlo Marlo's unattainable like the championship is unattainable to LeBron as it stands right now like he's chasing down a trope and chasing down that ghost of Mike that he's never gonna get to yeah but I think you're I think you answered your own question at the start of the show which is he's not a basketball player like LeBron James is probably out front right now because it helps Spring Hill. It helps every other business that he has to still be clear, present, active on SportsCenter tonight. The Los Angeles Lakers lead coverage, even though they're not even that good. It helps him. The original reason why he went, everyone said that he went to LA in the first place, was that this was gonna help build LeBron post LeBron. And so I'm sure there's a lot of value, and I'm sure they've all done the calculations of what LeBron's overall net worth and value to what he does off the court is to him being active. And, and I don't think those two can be separated. I mean, does he feel like, are you looking at LeBron James as a basketball player right now and saying, yeah, but there's still that one thing he's got to do? No. Yo, but that to me is the thing that makes him so interesting at this point is, there's nothing left for him to do, man. Right? Like I'm gonna need I, you to I, win a I'm gonna need you to win an 82 game championship with the Lakers. Nobody cares about that. I mean, yeah, no, like the the matter has been adjudicated. 
right? Like this is this is done. It is settled. You're not going to get to this mic place. And I've talked about this part before, and I don't care what nobody says. I'm right about this. But what is the mic place? Like, what would it take for him to get there? Things that are impossible. I mean, but like, what is the mic place? Is the mic place going 6-0 finals? Well, he lost his first final. That was done in 2007, right? Like, what is the mic place? Is yeah. the mic place, you know, being... You know, being the, the, the face of the of, of, of a global resurrection of sports, well, now nah, that can't happen because you were like, what? When was LeBron James born? 89? 90? Something like that? 84? I'm, 84, I'm doing bad math. Okay, you were in the third, second grade when that already happened, right? That was Michael in Barcelona. There is no Mike place you can reach. Like in terms of why we look at Michael Jordan the way we look at Michael Jordan. Right. Are you the Michael Jordan who is never going to go to a seventh game? Well, you can't do that because Mike, you know, I mean, there's nothing here. Um, Can you outlast Michael? Absolutely. You know, can Michael reach LeBron's space? No, Michael never did what LeBron did. That that shit is so done. It's so it's it's the unwinnable. Right. For both for both of them. I would have recommended to LeBron the way to handle this last run was to make yourself as much a Laker legend as possible. But I was going to say. But in a very respectful sort of way. Like, when you think about it, it's kind of wild that Will Chamberlain is thought of as Laker legend. Now, granted, they had not won a championship in L.A. until 1972. So he has a significance there. But, like, I think of him as a Philadelphia guy, first and foremost. But he is also, like, he moved to L.A. and became part of the Hollywood thing because of how he folded into, like, Laker stuff. That's what you do. LeBron, like LeBron needed to get there and be like the greatest Kobe ambassador. And I don't know how easy Kobe made it for him once he got there, right? Because there's all that weird stuff that goes there. But when LeBron changed his number to six, I was like, buddy, you are misunderstanding what's going on here. Because I don't care what nobody says. You'll never convince me that his plan in that moment was not to get two numbers retired just like Kobe did. No, 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 no. You did not ever need those people down there to feel like you were competing with Kobe Bryant. You need to walk in there and be like, there will only be one Kobe Bryant. I'll never be Kobe Bryant. Everything, that's what you needed to be. And just... If you're super Laker, super Laker can make moves in Los Angeles because the Lakers matter in Los Angeles. And that would be better for Spring Hill and all that stuff than any of the rest of this is to be the best Laker you possibly can be. Well, and that's a big that's a bigger loser than trying to compete with Michael. You don't, I mean, Kobe is a saint now. I mean, Kobe is Kobe is beyond Kobe, especially, you know, given the circumstances of his passing and everything else. You can't. That that's not the monument that you want to try to overcome or compete with or whatever. You have to burnish that monument. Um, and I agree with you. I think that, and especially with the NBA being what it is right now, that the best thing that LeBron James can do, I don't think he's homeless. Um, I think LeBron is a cavalier. I mean, yes, he's Cleveland to me. Um, even though his best was probably in Miami when he was at his very, very best in terms of when he was like, this is the baddest dude out, right? So so you you did the thing in Cleveland. You you were at your best in Miami. You went to the finals eight straight years, which no one outside of, you know, unless you're Bill Russell, right? Um, what is your top value in Los Angeles? Your top value in Los Angeles is probably, as you said, as an ambassador, but in a very specific way, which is, to me, the LeBron James legacy is he created an environment for future players that they did not have to or don't feel like they need to be attached to any team to be great. LeBron is not attached to any coach. LeBron, there's no Belichick Brady with LeBron James. There's no Phil and Kobe with LeBron James. He's not a Chicago Bull like Michael. He's not a Laker like Magic. He is an entity completely unto himself. And the flip side of doing that is you don't necessarily fit into the lineage of, you know, of of Jerry West and Chamberlain and Kareem and Magic and Kobe in that clean lineage because you would then have to tie yourself to a team. But if you do want to build on that Laker thing, what you might want to do is be that ambassador to to create the pipeline for players to always believe in the Lakers. That the Laker name 
if you tie yourself to the Laker name and that I'm going to be the person who funnels everyone to you in, in within my legacy of telling these players that they are individual corporations, then there's value in that. But LeBron stands alone. And in standing alone, you do lose some things. And one of the things that you're going to lose is the identification, um, that clean, clear identification that sports fans love, that they look at you, you're a Celtic, you're a Laker, you're a, you know, you're whatever, whatever team that is. When that goes away, you do lose something. And so it'll be real interesting to see how he plays that because you're right. I don't see the Lakers winning the championship this year or next year. And so what's he going to do with these, you know, with, with, you know, more than likely he may just double down on being LeBron and just let that be its, be its own reward. I mean, look, man, this is year six of the LeBron James trip to Los Angeles and they won that championship. And outside of that, the rest of the five years, even last year, to a degree, the fact they get into the conference championship as an upstart made people happy is a sign that this has been a largely disappointing tenure with the Lakers. Like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I was like, dude, it's LeBron James going to the Lakers. Like, this is the, an exciting prospect and idea. And they're going to be in the play-in again this year. They were in the first play-in. Mm -hmm. They missed the playoffs his first year there. They won the championship the second one. But this is this has not gone in at all in the way that anybody thought it was. There's no way you would have told me that they get LeBron and Anthony Davis and they out here 10 games out of first place in the West where first place is the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's right. And let me ask you this piece of it, too. Right. When you look at LeBron James. Do you he's still LeBron James, right? It's not as though you looked at him and he hasn't put up numbers. He hasn't competed there he hasn't played there i mean he's you could make an argument that he's done his part i mean he plays far fewer games obviously yeah but in terms of impact i don't view lebron james in that in that lineage i mean it it really did it felt like a hired gun before it feels even more like one now well you're right i mean do you like, look at lebron james and say laker no is he getting a statue out there in front of stables or crypto Ooh. That's an interesting question because as you talk about how the Celtics have only really won one championship in the last 35, 40 years, the Lakers have won one championship in the last 15. That was that 2020. Well, I guess they won in 20, last 14, right? That was their one. Yep. And who knows how long it'll be before they win another one. In which case, LeBron is the good old days. But there's, but there's nothing about... There's nothing about this time period for the Lakers that to me is like the 1970s were not the salad days for the Boston Celtics just because they won two championships. They won three the decade after they won a zillion the decade before. Right. The fact that they won two in the 70s does not mean, damn, we got to build a statue for Dave Cowens. It doesn't really work that way. Right. Do, are Lakers fans going to look at the LeBron era as something that needed to be commemorated? Well, that's right. Probably not, because to me, I hate to say it and. You know, Laker fans can come after me if they want. I, you know, um, but I'm sorry, but the biggest moment of the LeBron era in Los Angeles was losing Kobe. That's the moment yeah. when when he passed away. You know that that's the defining thing in that franchise for the last ten years. You know, I mean, and that's kind of gruesome and sad and and all of it, but it also in some ways is sort of a it's an interesting metaphor for the you know the the dissolution of team that, that does the team matter who is the real question is going to be who's the next laker who's a fucking laker right who's a who identifies with the who's the next player that does that if you said to yourself in the nba right now i know Embiid wants to be that guy with philly but he's also like you know what if y'all ain't trying to play you can get me out of here Right. Who was the last guy? I know Giannis had talked about it in terms of staying in Milwaukee, but it's Milwaukee. Who was the last guy to your point about Dirk? The importance of Dirk was that Dirk gave that franchise a championship and identity. He's their very best player. He didn't go anywhere else. Who's the next guy? I mean, after Steph, because I think Steph is the one. I mean, Steph, I mean, Steph is that guy. That's right. Yeah. After that, I have no idea. Like, I'm, I mean, will it be Jokic? Yeah, but he hates basketball. I really think he enjoys basketball. I just don't. I think, honestly, that as I watched it as it happened with the parade, I think that Jokic is a person who's afraid of leaning in on a good time because he's afraid it'll be taken away from him. 
Agreed. And I, I was I was being facetious there, but, it, but oh, you, yeah. when you look at when you look at Jokic, I want to go home now, right? It's like yes, no yes. parade too long, right? I mean, but you don't look <laughs> at him as somebody. He he's not playing the Denver game. He plays in Denver. No, you're right. You know what I mean? You're right. Jason Tatum. Could Jason Tatum be that guy? You're a Boston guy. Could Jason Tatum be that guy? They got to win because right now, right now he's looking a lot like Dak Prescott. <laughs> I'm yeah. serious. I mean, I know. I mean, seriously, in Boston right now, look at that team. They got to get over the hump. You've been to the finals. You've been to the conference finals. What, five, six? How many times has Jason Tatum been to the conference finals, right? I mean, you, you lost to an eight seed last year. You know, with home court advantage, you lost three games at home. And so you're at a point right now, and I know you're the franchise and you're the player and you're that guy. Can you be that guy? Absolutely. You've done things that even Larry Bird never did and all that. But you're going to be in the you're going to wear that uniform. You got to bring one home. You got to bring more than one home, but you got to at least bring one home. But he like, bro, my right hand man don't got no left. (laughs) I just came up My with right that right hand here. man likes to jog from. I, hey man, I got two hundred ninety-five million dollars jogging from foul line to foul line. <laughs> it's a, a big old safe going halfway down and halfway back. That's we have reduced Jalen Brown to because Porzingis is bringing it. Porzingis, Porzingis has been what Boston has been dreaming of since Larry Bird left. Porzingis is everything they just wish Brian Scalabrini could have been. Porzingis is the hope that Brad Lawhouse has birthed. He is everything uh, Greg Kite couldn't you be. You know, I got to tell you something. I was watching a YouTube video the other day. I don't remember what it was. or It was some Larry Bird clip. And I do have something to say about this when you brought up Cooper Flag. And I was looking at had to be 87 or 88. I think 87. And I'm looking at that team. And I'm like... Fred Roberts, Connor Henry, Brad Lowhouse, Mark Akers? What in the? Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Hold on. Mike, and Michael Smith is on the way. Uh, and Jerry Seasting and, and Danny Ainge are still on the team. <laughs> I forgot about Mark Akers. And so was Berta McHale. <laughs> Nobody's ever been more dedicated. To make it in. Red, Red Auerbach was not going to mess this up. You know, I feel like Red Auerbach every day woke up and was like, why didn't I see it with Tom Chambers? Like every day, I just feel like anytime a white dude where the day up turned up somewhere, he was like, man, I was slipping. That's right. Danny Vrains hit a jump shot. And he's like, how come? Damn it. Missed yeah, like, I mean, hey, hey, look, how, how they should have known that Danny Ferry didn't have it is that Red Auerbach didn't find a way to get him. <laughs> Ain't no way in the world that Danny Ferry was, was, was as good as he seemed to be at Duke that Red would have let that slide. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, it's, it's, it, all I can say is it, it reminds me of watching Friends and, and Seinfeld to make New York look that white. That takes some doing. <laughs> that is a choice. That was a choice. That is, that is one of my favorite parts of the new lexicon. Sometimes like, hey, buddy, that was a choice. That was a choice. Oh, hold on. The mm-hmm. chat room is getting all the other white dudes. Shout out to you, uh, Rick Carlisle, Scott Wedman. Uh, see if we got anybody oh, else Wedman. here. Jim Paxson. Don't forget Jim Paxson. Oh, there was Jim Paxson. Uh, I feel like there's one I'm missing, and I feel... I mean, Bill Walton didn't count. He's only there for a year. Joe Klein. Yeah, Joe Klein, yes. Uh, Joe Klein, who, if they were going to give up Danny Ainge, they had to get one back, and the one they got back was Joe Klein. Yeah, Joe uh, Klein. D- don't forget Dino Raja into the bench. Dino Raja. Hey, they took Michael Smith over Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Did they ever acquire? Uh, no, I thought they took Patapenko over Kobe Bryant. I thought that was Michael Smith's draft. Could be wrong. No, no, Michael Smith. Michael Smith was an '80s '80s draft. Did they ever get? Did they ever get over not taking a Keith? Like that draft where people like, damn, they were so mad they didn't get Tim Duncan. They wasn't trying to get Tim Duncan. They was trying to get Keith Van Horn. Keith Van Horn sounded too black. <laughs> he did. He did. He showed up for the interview. And they got Antoine Walker in the. They got Antoine Walker in the Kobe draft. Let let me let me let me tell you my favorite Keith Van Horn story. When he did that interview, when he was like, "Yo, man, everybody keeps saying I patterned my game after Larry Bird." I patterned my game after Derek McKee. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which, by the way, the biggest crock of malarkey that I have ever heard, because I never saw Keith Van Horn guard a soul. <laughs> exactly. I was like, Derek McKee's like, hey, man, don't, hey, 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 hey. 
Don't call me. <laughs> like, yeah, show, show me your Derrick McKee jersey if you really believe that. But ladies and gentlemen, that is Howard Bryant. Check him out. Metal Arc Media. One of my buddies hit me up and was like, hey, I want to read the Ricky Henderson book and then make my son read it after because he's such a big fan of the, uh, uh, of, the Ricky, uh, of the Ricky and that. So, you know, letting people know. So check that out. And also all of Howard's Appreciate books it. available where all fine books are sold and where the sorry ones are sold, too. Just to let you know, they got <laughs> multitudes. I appreciate you, Matt. Thanks, bro. All right, now, Sean, you got prize picks for the peoples. I certainly do, Bo. We got some NBA future picks um, taking uh, Nikola Jokic, 0. 0.5, 30-plus po point games. I'll take more there. Tyrese Halliburton, 3.5, 30-point games. I'll take more. Jalen Williams, 2.5. 30-point games, I'll take more. And Victor Wembenyama, three-and-a-half 30-point games, I'll take more there as well. You know they're going to say something about that, Sean. They certainly will. They they always have something to say. <laughs> mo, 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 mo. Sean is all about mo. That's how we do it. But, hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. That's Sean Yu. He handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember, and also thank you for watching us on YouTube. Forgot about that. Remember, subscribe, like. Follow the right time. Rate us. Review us. Give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy.